I must confess that's the first Christmas song I, I've heard this year. Normally, uh, hear a lot of uh, Christmas by this time. Our daughter Naomi in Cambodia, uh, July, after the, the 4th of July, she pulled out the Christmas music. And uh, so that, that was always uh, special in the home. So thank you guys. What a, what a blessing. Aren't you grateful for the Word of God? And that God became man and dwelt among us. And uh, uh, what a love. It's beyond comprehension of what God has done for us in uh, the incarnation and uh, uh, an evidence, a, a proof of his love for us. Second uh, Peter chapter 3, if you'll stand with me if you're able as we read a portion of God's word. Second Peter chapter 3 here this morning. I want to read just the first few verses of this chapter. We've been preaching through the book of Second Peter. And uh, we come to chapter 3 here, verse number 1, where Peter says, The second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets. And uh, we, in chapter 1, looked, holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And they've given us a very sure word, a more sure word. And of the commandments of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? And I want to look at that thought this morning. Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, the earth standing out of the water and in the water. And we'll look at uh, this as we go on into the chapter. In verse number four, where is the promise of his coming? I want us to go to the Lord in, in prayer this morning, and uh, we so need him here today. Would you ask today for the Lord's way in this service? Father, thank you. Thank you for meeting with us this morning. Lord, we look unto you. We sure need you today. And Lord, I, I pray here this morning uh, that, Lord, as, as your word uh, is spoken, as, as your word goes forth, that you would minister your word at the very point of need. And it sure does seem that these very words are taking place in our day. Uh, whether men attack the coming of the Lord or they attack you or they live their lives as if there is no uh, return of Christ. Lord, I pray that you would challenge us this morning. Would you have your way, uplift and exalt yourself, we pray in the precious, wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. And you may be seated this morning. One of the, one of the great promises of the Bible is the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to keep your place in 2 Peter, but I, I just want us to go uh, this morning to some other scriptures, and uh, let's examine some of the words of Christ. Go with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 24. In Matthew, chapter number 24, Jesus spoke during his earthly ministry, his first coming. He spoke much about his second coming. And in Matthew, chapter 24, verse number 35, he says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Uh, then he says, but of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. 
But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken, the other left. I believe this is a picture of the rapture. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taken, and the other left. He says, Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come, but know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched, would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour is ye think not the Son of Man cometh. Uh, he goes on to chapter 25 and he tells three different parables illustrating his return. Uh, first of all, uh, verses 1 through 13, the parable of the ten virgins. Uh, it speaks of five wise virgins and five foolish virgins. And in the parable, five were saved and five were lost. They were without oil. In verse number 13 is the statement of Matthew 25, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. He then tells the parable of the talents, beginning at verse number 14, for the kingdom of heaven. He says, A man traveling into a far country, who calleth his own servants, delivered unto them his goods. And, and this speaks of the fact that Jesus was going away into a far country. But in verse number 19, After a long time the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with him. There is a payday, there is a reckoning day. Uh, the latter part of Matthew chapter 25, he speaks of the judgment of nations. He says in verse 31, When the Son of Man shall come in His glory, and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory. And before Him shall be gathered all nations, and He shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth the sheep from the goats. In the Gospel of John chapter 14, the night in which Jesus was betrayed and was arrested, he said to his disciples, I'm going away. And they were very troubled. He says to them in John chapter 14, verse number 1, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go, you know, and the way you know. So Jesus spoke often of his return. Uh, the second coming of Christ is mentioned throughout the Word of God, the book of 1 Thessalonians, for example. Every chapter refers to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. In chapter 4, we have in verses 13 through 18, the rapture that takes place in 1 Thessalonians. It speaks of the time the trumpet will sound and the dead in Christ will rise. Then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together to meet them in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verses 1 and 2, he speaks of the day of the Lord, that it would come as a thief in the night, just as Jesus spoke in Matthew chapter 24. You'll go with me to the book of Titus for just a moment. Titus and chapter number 2. Titus chapter number 2. In Titus chapter number 2, we, we speak of the, the great hope, the glorious hope of God's children. In verse number 11, Titus 2. Uh, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, 
looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, this speaks of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, go with me to the last chapter of the Bible, the book of Revelation, chapter number 22. Revelation chapter 22. Uh, three different times in this final chapter of the Bible, there's mention of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Revelation chapter 22, verse number 7, Jesus stated, Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. In verse number 12, And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. And then in verse number 20, He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. And here is the prayer of John the Apostle, ought to be our prayer, even so come Lord Jesus. Uh, God has promised the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. God cannot and God will not lie. Now go back with me to 2 Peter chapter number 3. 2 Peter chapter 3 is, as Peter introduces this section of scripture, in verse number 1, this second epistle in verse 1, he says, Beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. He said that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets of the commandment of the us and the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Now in this context, it's a reminder of this promise. It's the promise of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I'm, I'm writing this second epistle. I'm going to give you this remembrance, this reminder. I want to bring this to your mind, these things that have been spoken of by the prophets and of the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he gives a warning here in chapter 3. And I believe this warning is so essential and crucial as we come nearer and closer to the return of Jesus Christ. He says in verse number 3, knowing this, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts. They're mockers of the things of God, walking in their own way. Uh, chapter 2 describes them as false teachers. And the closer we come to the return of Christ, the more confusion uh, that Satan will bring upon this world. I mentioned in Sunday school with the rise of technology and the internet, the increase of knowledge. There is a proliferation of lies and false doctrines and weird teachings that are taking place. And, and, and some have become so ignorant in their knowledge that they become ignorant experts and twisting the scriptures to their own destruction. That's the warning that the Bible gives. Now chapter 3, a part of the false teaching centers around Christ's return. I want you to notice in verse number 4, and saying... Where is the promise of His coming? When's it going to happen? Where is that promise? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. Scoffers denying this promise, walking after their own lust, doing what they want to do, living contrary to God and contrary to the Bible, living as if there is no accountability, as if they will never stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, over the past few years, there are some major changes happening in our world. I think everybody can, can see this. And uh, even lost people, as I speak to them, uh, they, they're, they're saying there's something taking place today. There's something that this world has never experienced before. There, these are new times. These are new days. 
you know, there is a strong world uh, move today toward a world government and a, a world currency and uh, a lot of talk today about a digital currency. And we know that we're moving uh, toward a world dictatorship. And, and we understand this to be the government of which the Antichrist uh, will lead uh, this world to its utter destruction. Uh, recent events in Israel, October the 7th, a major attack upon Israel. Women, children, babies brutally murdered. And speaking to some of our missionaries in Israel, they, uh, they speak these atrocities were horrible. And even what we read about and hear about is nothing compared to what some of the people experienced there in Israel. And we're experiencing today, and I believe the Bible speaks of this, a new rise in anti-Semitism. And we're seeing in Ezekiel 38, Ezekiel 39, uh, the alliances coming together of nations, Russia, Syria, Iran, Iraq, Turkey. Uh, things sure seem to be pointing in the direction of Christ's soon return, yet most of the world today is blind as to what's taking place scoffers we don't really believe Jesus is coming back things just go on as they've always been even in Christian circles apathy towards the things of God apathy towards the Bible apathy towards church apathy towards a spirit filled and spirit surrendered Christian life indifference towards souls indifference towards godly Christian living and serving the Lord Jesus Christ with all the heart and all the soul and all the mind. It's exactly what Peter warned about. He says, I want to bring to your remembrance these promises. Don't be caught off guard. It's not time for you to live for yourself. It's not time for you to walk in your own lusts. It's not time for you to live as if you will never face Jesus. He's coming back. And just as certain as I'm here today, every one of us will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. And every one of us will give an account of him. Now as Peter lays this thought before his readers, he takes a look at the past world. Then he looks at the present world, and then he takes a look into the future, at the future world. And I want to break this down as our outline. We're not going to be able to complete this this morning. And we're going to continue the thought tonight. Very important what we're going to be dealing with tonight. Uh, just put in a plug for that. Now let's look at this, verse 5, a look at the past world. He says, for this they willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water in the water, whereby the world that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. He says, for this they willingly are ignorant of. You see, anyone who denies Christ's coming or lives their life as if he is not coming is willingly ignorant. As we look about us and the evidence all around us, you see, he's, he's chosen to close his eyes. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. That's a willing ignorance. That's a closing of the eyes. That's a denial of the existence of God, which God has pinned upon the heart of every man and all about us, God has given the evidence. The evidence is everywhere. 
But man willingly ignores the evidence that God has given. See, one has to willingly deny all of the evidence. In verse number 5, he denies the very word of God. It says, For this they willingly are ignorant of, by, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. God spoke the world into being by his power, and God spoke that judgment in the previous world, the, the days of Noah, of the flood. God spoke that judgment by his power. And in verse number 6, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished, he denies that judgment of God. Now this takes us back to Noah's day, and all about us there is the evidence of a flood. You see, at one time this world was covered with water. I mentioned recently that right over here behind us uh, on the hills, uh, there was a, a shell and a testimony that that mountain one day stood under water. You go to the Grand Canyon, you can go to uh, up just uh, around Taos and the Gorge, and uh, you see the evidence of a flood all about us, uh, rock foundations and rock formations. God has left that testimony before us. Now Genesis chapter 6, six speaks of that day. It was a wicked world. And in chapter 6, verse number 6 of Genesis, the Bible says that God was grieved, and God determined that the world must be destroyed. But we read that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 7, Noah was warned of God, and Noah being warned of God of judgment to come, prepared an ark to the saving of his household. And we find that before judgment, God offered mercy to that generation. For 120 years, Noah preached and Noah warned of judgment, and the world of Noah's day scoffed and mocked as Noah built the ark as Noah preached to his world, and that world of Noah's day perished, the day of judgment arrived. The day came God directed Noah into the ark. His family and the animals. The Bible speaks that God closed the door of the ark. The foundations were broken, waters from beneath. The heavens were open waters from above. God simply spoke the world and a world that had never experienced rain before uh, became flooded and for 40 days and 40 nights the waters uh, came upon this world and all life perished except for that which was aboard the ark. Now God gives that past world as a testimony to this world. That world mocked and rejected as many are doing today. That world walked in lusts, sexual sin, adulteries, homosexualities, violence and murders and wickedness and a lack of respect for human life and abortion and euthanasia, and rebellion to God and rebellion to God-given authority. I want you to go back to chapter 2 of 2 Peter as, as the Lord describes that world. In verse number 10, and he's describing our day. He says, but chiefly, chapter 2, verse 10, them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government, presumptuous are they, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities and even spiritual dignities. Whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord. 
But these as natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed speak evil of the things they understand not and shall utterly perish in their own corruption and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they that counted pleasure to write in that daytime. Spots are they are ble- and blemishes sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin beguiling unstable souls and a heart that they have exercised with covetous practice cursed children which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray following the way of Balaam the son of Besor who loved the wages of unrighteousness. What a description of our day. See that world was offered mercy as our world has been offered mercy today. Noah preached the gospel. Uh, Noah believed in a blood sacrifice that would go all the way to Genesis chapter 3 that would point the way to the blood of Jesus that would go to the cross of Calvary. Uh, Noah was directed of God to build an ark of safety and that ark of safety uh, was a beautiful picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, And I believe the ark that Noah built had plenty of room for his generation Uh, and yet his generation rejected. The gospel today goes forth. We live in a day of grace and God calls our world today to repentance and to faith just as he did in Noah's day. In fact, you'll look in chapter 3 and verse number 9. He says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The gospel goes forth today. The world of Noah's day faced judgment as our world will soon face judgment. The door of grace closed. And soon the door of grace and mercy will close to this generation. Soon the night comes when no man can work and soon King Jesus is going to return and establish his throne upon the throne of David and the millennial reign of Christ. And and soon King Jesus is going to return just as he promised in the word of God. See, there's a look at the world of the past. And those that reject Christ will face God's judgment. Now go with me to chapter 3 and verse 7. There's a look at the present world, chapter 3, verse 7. He says, but the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Now we read here about God's power. God again created this world by his word, by his power. And again, God spoke the word and judgment came upon Noah's world. And by the same word, God will speak the word and there will come judgment to this world. You know, I I love science and scientists today don't understand what holds the world together. By by all scientific theories, uh, an atom should explode. What holds it together? I believe God does. By him, all things consist. But one day, he will speak the word. And I I think about this. Here's Peter. Peter was a fisherman. He wasn't a scientist. 
And yet God revealed to Peter what was going to happen, that one day God would speak the world, and, and this world as we know it would, would be destroyed in fervent heat. It would melt with fervent heat. You see here God's power, but notice again God's patience in verse number 8. He says, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. And the only thing that holds it together right now is God's patience. And God is eternal. He's above and beyond time. He speaks of the Lord one day is uh, with the Lord as a thousand years. A thousand years is nothing unto the Lord. God is eternal. He's above and beyond time. And, and it's evident here that God is not rushing things. In verse number 4, the question is, where is the promise of His coming? Since the world began, everything continues. They forgot about Noah's day, but since the world began, everything continues. Uh, where is that promise of His coming? He says, but God is patient. See, our world is in a mess today. I think that's evident. But the Lord patiently pleads for souls. This is why you need to be saved now. Today is the day of salvation. This is why we need to get the word of God out now. In 1 Peter chapter number 1, he speaks of being born again, of not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible through the, the word of God. That's the incorruptible seed that, as Paul said to Timothy, is able to make thee wise unto salvation. And it's the word of God that makes the difference. And we need now in our day to get the word of God out. And it's very clear, again, read verse number 9. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is longsuffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's not God's will for one to perish. Do you realize the lostness of man grieves God? Do you realize, I don't believe you can keep God from loving you. You can slap Him in the face and reject Him, but He loves you. He doesn't love the sin, but He loves you. There's an ancient parable that was told of a, a young man who had a wonderful mother. He fell in love with an ungodly girl that hated his mother. The character of his godly mother convicted the girl. The girl would only marry the boy under one condition. Here was her condition. You must cut out your mother's heart and bring it to me. The boy thought that he was madly in love with the girl. He thought that he couldn't live without the girl. He took his mother's life. He cut out her heart and he was taking that heart to the girl. On his way he stumbled and fell and the parable says that that heart spoke out. My son, did you hurt yourself? And it was given as a parable of a mother's love. But that's nothing compared to a father's love. God's love. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That parable still falls so short of what God's love is all about. You know, it does God no pleasure to send lost sinners to hell. He gave His Son. He pleads by His Spirit. He longs to save and to reject one or to reject God. One has to trample under the love of God. It's God's patience. Verse number 10, 2 Peter 3, speaks of God's promise 
face of this world. But the day of the Lord, notice this, will come. Where is the promise of His coming? The day of the Lord will come. What does He say as a thief in the night? Into which the heavens shall pass away. With a great noise and the elements shall melt. With a fervent heat the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. He's saying this is going to happen even though the world denies Christ's coming. God has never failed in a promise. Not one promise that God has ever given has He failed to keep. The day of the Lord, I believe, begins at the rapture. And after the rapture, the world will enter into tribulation. After the tribulation, the rise of the Antichrist, there will be the return of Christ in Revelation 19 at the end of the tribulation. In Revelation chapter 20, there will be the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the Bible says, the heavens shall melt with fervent heat. Now the question would go forth, are you ready? Are you ready? Look in verse 11. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Uh, uh, this speaks of salvation. You're not ready if you don't know the Lord. You must be born again. And except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Uh, you're not ready, even if you've been born again, friend. You're not ready if you have not separated yourself wholly unto the Lord. This is what he's speaking of, looking for, hasting to that day. He says, what manner of man you ought to be in all holy conversation and godliness. That's the same thing that Titus spoke of, speaking of the blessed hope of a, of a Christian. We're going to deal with this more tonight in preparation for the Lord's return. Very important service tonight as we look at these things. This is a look at the past world of Noah's day. A look at the present world of our day. As the Lord patiently today pleads for souls. Now skip to verse 13. There's a look at the future world. He says, nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Isn't this world today a wicked place? Aren't you glad that this current world won't continue on for eternity? I wouldn't want to live in a sinful world like this today for all of eternity. We look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found in him in peace without spot and blameless. Now, what does he speak of? Go with me to Revelation chapter 21. Following the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ, this current world will melt with fervent heat. But notice the promise this future world. Revelation 21. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I remember my wife as she walked the aisle. I remember I, I began to weep. I thought she was the most beautiful thing coming down that aisle. She had prepared herself as a bride 
adorned for her husband. Well, the Bible says of this new heaven, this new earth, it will be prepared by God. It will be beautiful. Think about this. For over 2,000 years, the Lord has been preparing this. He made this world in six days. What a beautiful world. But can you imagine what heaven is going to be like? It says, I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. They shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne of God said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Where is the promise of his coming? These words are true and faithful. Heaven shall pass away, the earth shall pass away, but my words shall endure forever, the Bible says. Did the funeral yesterday for Aunt Susie. and She had been in a lot of pain. So thankful for this wonderful promise that that pain and sorrow will one day be taken away. Then he gives this final division, verse 6. And he said unto me, it is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit. And the Bible tells us that an overcomer is one that has been born again, one that has believed on the Lord Jesus Christ in 1 John chapter 5. He says, I will be his God, he shall be my son. But here's the division, the fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, murderers, whoremongers, sorcerers, idolaters, all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth the fire and brimstone, which is the second death. This is the look at that future world. And there's a division between the saved and the lost. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of surrender. Where is the promise of his coming, the world says today? Scoffers, mockers, whether in word, at least in life, living their life as if they will never stand before a holy God. There's the look at the lost world of the past, Noah's day, and the judgment of God that came upon that world suddenly uh, as a thief. Uh, the Lord had been warning and warning, and the day came when Noah entered into the ark and God closed the door. There's a look at this present world and the patience of God as today in this day of grace he offers the gift of salvation. And then there's the look at that future world where there will be the division between the saved and the lost. Where's the promise? My friend, just as sure as I'm here, my Jesus is coming back. Are you ready for his return? Every head bowed and every eye closed.